Ben, everybody loves a good summer vacation, and we have certainly taken one. Have you gotten up to anything interesting while we've been away? Oh, I've been I've been everywhere, Pat. I've been to this great land of ours. I've been to California. I've been to Michigan. Been to New York. How about you? Uh, made my way to Wisconsin. Uh, otherwise, well, I, I went to small town Iowa. Oh, Iowa, yeah. Yeah, even smaller town Iowa than than where we are from in Iowa. Yeah, not quite as exciting as your bi-coastal travels. And, you know, it sounds like you could have written a catchy song about you've been everywhere. So this is Podventure Time, for those of you who may not remember, because it's been a minute since we put out an episode. But, you know, things happen in the summer. There's families and work and I can tell you for one thing, my work has been absolutely bonkers and has been preventing me from being that creative. But Ben, here we are. We're ready to wrap up season two. We're back. The season two wrap up special. A very special pod venture time. And uh, what we're going to do here is just kind of look back at season two, discuss some of our favorite things and stuff like that. And then we'll get ready to jump right into season three and Podventure Time's back, fools. Yeah, we've had time to really, really simmer, really steep in the green tea goodness that was season two of Adventure Time. We've really had time to soak it up, I think. So I think we'll have some wonderful nuggets to talk about in our wrap-up special. Yes, many episodes have been marinated in my cerebral fluid. Yeah. All right. Well, let us get to it. Yeah, I think a uh, a good place to start is kind of where we tend to end a lot of our episodes. Let's just check in on where is Ben with regard to the episode. I have a, a couple follow-up questions, but basically, where are you on the fan spectrum? And, and also, what happened over the course of season two on that spectrum? Yeah, so I, I think season two was, for me, a a slow burn to a big finale a slow burn to like a big explosion of advancement as far as I'm concerned with like how I see the show adventure time to this point for me has been one that is entertaining, but not like a go-to I've got to watch this show kind of show. It has been, I've enjoyed a lot of the characters. I, and we'll talk about that. like this episode, some of the favorites that we've had in the first two seasons. And I really, there are a few times when like a few characters show up on, on the screen that I get excited because I think they're really funny or really interesting. But as a whole, the show has been a series of vignettes for me that have like sometimes landed and sometimes haven't. But the last two, call them, the, I know that the, uh, the last two episodes, not the final one, I know, because that was sort of a throwaway episode, but the last two episodes that were of like the narrative arc of this season um changed that for me they were world building and we've talked about that in the previous episodes of our show a lot of things changed the stakes got raised the world got expanded and became uh had much more depth to it the land of ooh became more complex and multi-layered than i had really originally realized and i think all of that 
has made season three something I'm definitely looking forward to. Awesome. I will say that I am intrigued and interested in season three. I still am not at the place where like Adventure Time would be my go-to show to just like chill out and watch with yet. But I know I've only watched two seasons of it. There are still other shows that hold that place for me. Uh, Simpsons, Arrested Development, maybe 30 Rock. A few of those that I could just like turn on and just be like, I'm happy no matter what episode I turn on. Adventure Time doesn't have that yet for me. But uh, it holds the promise for me now. I feel like I could see this becoming one of those shows, especially if the depth and the, and the character development, things like that, continue to build on what started with those last episodes of season two. So it sounds like there was a real spike for you with those last two episodes. Exponential interest for me, for sure. In those last yeah, two, yeah, and I, I, you know, we talked about this last time, but I also love those episodes. And you mentioned the stakes being raised. I think that uh, the stakes have definitely been raised, and it's my sincere hope that season three continues to impress you just that much. And I've got a kind of a follow up question. So, mm-hmm. two seasons into Adventure Time, it's a, it seems to be a show that you like, but it's not one of your, you know. Oh, I got a half hour. What am I going to watch shows? However, it's not the, yeah, it's not in the pantheon yet. Yeah, this this podcast is about me recommending Adventure Time to you and then being held accountable and, and seeing what happens. I'm curious if you would recommend Adventure Time to anyone and if so, whom? Um, so now that I have had the last two episodes or the like these the, the full two season two under my belt, now I know how I would recommend it to other people. And yes, I do know who I would recommend it to. So I would recommend it to other... I would have a very good hook for people who I know are interested in the fantasy genre nerds. and the role-playing nerds. The fantasy genre, but let's... There's Weirdos. plenty of people who... Yeah, yeah, basically. The fantasy genre people, the role-playing game people, I know that hook. I actually didn't know that hook until the very end of season two, but now I get it. Now I said, now I could say, hey, look, there's this funny show. It's essentially like playing D&D levels one through five, uh, where it's a bunch of weird side quests and, and shenanigans, and it's some really good writing within those constraints, and I think you'd like it. That would be my kind of pitch to people like that. For people who don't have that, I would say... My pitch would be around characters more. I would say, look, there's this funny show that I am kind of into. And I would maybe, I probably wouldn't recommend they start season one, episode one. I think I would throw a couple of my favorite episodes at them uh, and not in the order that I watch them. Yeah, I think that's smart. That's a question I actually had for you uh, since we're on the topic. You've done the experiment with me now for two seasons. If you did it again with someone else, would you start on season one, episode one? No, I think that the main reason that I did that was to fit into the parameters of our podcast. I certainly have a list of my favorite episodes. I think that the best episode to start someone out on is one of the kind of side quest, but also really good and funny episodes so that it's kind of kind of shows the personality of the show. Mm-hmm. I I don't think that we that, that you could really start with something like Mortal Coil and Mortal Folly, the last two of season two, because it wouldn't be it 
if you hadn't seen the low stakes, you wouldn't know that the stakes had been raised. So I think you got to be kind of careful. Um, I think henchmen in season one would be a good place to start. Uh, and then I, we're going we're gonna to talk about our favorite episodes from season two, and there are a few ideas in there of places where you might start somebody where they're going to go, oh, okay, I think I get it. And then if you can get them to watch a few episodes, then you get them to some of these uh, more, you know, the, the episodes where the world is bigger, the characters are more deep, more meaningful, and the stakes, both emotional and sort of, you know, world consequential, are are raised. But I don't think you can jump straight into those episodes because you need the context in order to understand why these things are as important as they are. Yeah, I get that. I think that I, I would agree with that. It's almost, I, I started thinking about um, introducing someone who had never seen the Star Wars franchise, maybe. Like, you don't start them with The Phantom Menace. Like, you, it's, you have to start, you kind of, like, watching these things in theatrical release is is almost the way you want to do it be, because it's just that's the way you you get to know the you get to know the world the world has been expanded enough for you and the characters are deep enough that you can jump right in you don't want the backstory right away you wouldn't want just like with adventure time i think you'd want to find like what's that what's that episode for a new hope for adventure time where it's like the world is developed the characters are developed they're doing something fun and inter- entertaining how do you that's where you jump in and then you go like hey check out seasons one and two that'll give you some backstory that'll give you some of like the build to where uh this other episode started you at i think that's probably the way to go sure i i I just have to acknowledge the the people who may be listening who may have strong opinions about where to start a newbie on star wars i i know that there are a lot of theories out there there's chronological there's theatrical uh, I tend to agree with you. I would want to show somebody a new hope first, but I've read some passionate defenses of starting with Phantom Menace. Uh, I'm not sure that you would get anybody to watch a second movie if you did that, and then they'd have to watch Attack of the Clones, which would almost preclude, I think, them watching a third movie. So, yeah, I'm I'm all with you on on theatrical release, but I just have to warn you. Uh, you know, if somebody hears this, they might at you. Except they don't know your Twitter, so they're just going to at us at Podventure Time and uh, maybe give us a piece of their mind about where we start on Star Wars. Bring it, Internet. Bring it. Yeah, we ain't afraid of no damn Internet. Yeah. So anyway, back to our point. I, 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 I was, I was wondering what you would say if I said like, how would you do this a second time? And I get it. We had sort of a, a conceit for our podcast that we were going to start right at the beginning and just work our way through. And I don't know if that would be, I don't know if that's how I would handle any show if I were introducing someone to a new show. Like, I don't know that I would send anyone up at the first episode of The Simpsons if they had never seen it, you know, the Santa, the Christmas sure. special. I don't know if, that, if that's where I would start them or if I would start them, you know, knee, knee deep in season two or three or something like that with just like one of those really classic, well written episodes or something. It's, you got to give a show time to find itself usually. So. That's no, that's no dig at Adventure Time season one and two. It's 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 sort of a growing pain that any show has to go through. That being said, maybe we should talk about some favorite episodes of season two. I think that's a good place to transition to. So, if you have a single favorite or uh, a few favorites, let's let's hear them. Okay, so 
my favorite episode of season two was the the mortal coil mortal folly duo it really was i have to start there just because of like what it did to how i felt about the show but that's sort of like a macro meta reason to like those two episodes right but if i wanted to just like watch one on its own and like just to for pure enjoyment i think it would be uh the silent king Tell us about The Silent King and why you liked it. All right. So The Silent King, if you don't remember us talking about it on the podcast or if you haven't watched it, um, The Silent King is where Finn and Jake are in a at, in a kingdom of goblins. I'm remembering that right. They're goblins. Yes, they are goblins. And for those of you following along at home, this is the ham episode. Right. Uh, the The goblins are trying to get rid of an existing king that is just all about, like, I think spanking them. It's like, or something. The the thing I liked about this episode was uh, the goblins themselves are hilarious, and all of the characters that I thought, that in this episode, I thought were just, like, fun characters that had a, uh, it was, like, a really weird, like, even for Adventure Time, like I thought it was just a a goofy episode and for some yes. reason it has stuck with me. It has stuck with me for like all the rules that the king must follow and Finn becomes a king of the goblins because he ousts the first king but then that king comes back. I don't know, just something about that episode stuck with me. I just think that it was it's just a fun one. I would if I were to have if I were to watch one again in season 2, it would be The Silent King. What about you? Yeah, I think if we're looking for uh, kind of Adventure Time at its best in terms of just really enjoyable to watch, I I think Silent King is is a great one. Um, I think my favorite episode. So I I'm just like you. I think Mortal Coil, Mortal Folly, those have to be the favorite episodes. But just like you, they wouldn't necessarily be the ones that I'd be looking to watch again if I just wanted to watch one or two. I think that my favorite. The one that I would uh, most want to watch again was Belly of the Beast, which is where uh, Party Pat and his bear friends are partying inside of the monster. I'm a big Party Pat fan. His sort of like fake hipster pseudo-spiritualism just cracks me up. Uh, Fireworks blasting out of the monster's mouth was a real highlight for me. And, (laughs) and, And poor Cubby. Who has to insist, uh, you know, look at me, I am dancing, even though <laughs> Cubby is the only bear who knows that that they are, in fact, inside of a monster and seems to have any kind of problem with it. So uh, Billy of the Beast, Party Pat, that's my favorite outside of of the, the, the final two, which I think we both agree were kind of game changers. Yeah, let's go one deeper. Like, I'm going to have you pick another one because I want to pick a second as well. I... I'm having trouble picking between two and I'll tell you what the other one was maybe after you say yours, but I ended up selecting slow love as my second favorite episode in season two. Uh, this is the one where the giant slug slash snail, it bursts into the treehouse and destroys it. And then uh, sort of demands slash asks the, the boys to help him uh, meet women and it just becomes a series of basically Jake, but Finn and Jake uh, 
teaching this snail how to put the moves on on a female giant snail and the voice alone of the giant snail slash slug is just amazing and fantastic but i thought that whole episode that whole ep- episode had me cracking up yeah snorlock is great that one was uh that's also a good answer um i like that one i think if i had to look back for a a second favorite episode um man death and bloom was really good i really liked that one uh finn's battle with death as death plays death metal uh with the double kick drums i really enjoyed that one and then actually the next one susan strong that one is more of a feelings one rather than oh i want to watch it again because it's just so enjoyable but watching finn wrestle with his humanity as he met those underground creatures and susan uh really did it for me i think the other two that that really stood out for me in this this season were death and bloom where they visit the underworld and (laughs) jake uh listens to the talking skull and jumps into the water and forgets who he is and then death turns out to be a real cool guy once they reveal that they're friends with peppermint butler uh and then susan strong was just another one like i said where i thought that the you know kind of it's one that gets you in the feels a little bit. Yeah, I hear you there. I think, uh, so I'm glad you said Death and Bloom, because that was the other one that I was wrestling with, like, if I were to pick number two. And really, Death and Bloom, as a favorite for me, rides exclusively on Peppermint Butler for me. The whole episode's fine, but, like, Peppermint Butler has become perhaps my favorite character in all of Adventure Time. And I just think, like, his... His, like, super, like, cheerful attitude combined with a crazy dark underside is amazing. And every time he's on screen, I'm like, what? I'm excited for what he's going to say. Yes. I think uh, Pep Butt as a covert master of the dark arts is absolutely a fantastic thing. Uh, Pep Butt is also one of my favorite characters and yeah his his role in death and bloom definitely clues us into you know his kind of double life where he's right. opening portals to the underworld and being best friends with death so I, I yeah if you're a pet butt fan then death and bloom's the episode for you that one in the uh science episode where he's fighting over the grill yeah and i think like we can probably if you if you want we can talk about favorite characters too in addition to favorite episodes but like favorite characters as pep but i i love that he is i love that his character reflects how like a peppermint is frankly like a peppermint is a candy that kind of hurts your mouth like it's a weird it's this like weird like candy that we eat that like it kind of freshens your breath but like it's a burning sensation in a sense it's like peppermint oil that is you know doesn't hurt but it's also a little more intense than your average candy and i think like i think that's what peppermint butler is like he's more intense than your average candy every average candy person what would we think about altoid butler altoid butler uh would be i don't have a great joke i was trying to come up with something like curiously (laughs) curiously strong dark art wielder but it does i in my mind 
you know what? I'm going to add Peppermint Butler. I'm going to go ahead and add Peppermint Butler to the to the metaverse. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. He, he doesn't represent represent a person. I think he represents Finn's feeling about peppermints. <laughs> I think that Finn has... My feelings about peppermints. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna project my feelings of peppermint on on Finn. But I think that that's what he's doing. I think. I think in his world of the Candyland world, peppermints re- represent that like those candies that are like, oh god, like yeah, you can eat one, but you're gonna regret. You're gonna regret that feeling for a while. The duality of peppermints. Yeah, I think that that's. What, I think it's just like. I think real Finn. Real, uh, real world Finn in my in my metaverse, I think he, uh, I think he has he has a conflicted relationship with peppermints in general, and that's why that's why peppermint Butler is the way he is in the dreamscape. So I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say that Finn, real Finn, has has a weird thing about peppermints. So maybe the peppermint Butler episodes are. They they're they're dreams that happen on nights where Finn has either recently eaten an Altoid or uh, maybe swallowed a little bit of toothpaste before he went to bed. He's yes, got that dyspepsia yeah, and you that's know it. Uh, indigestion. I got another peppermint butler dream again. <laughs> yep. There are members of my family who swear that they have weirder dreams after they have garlic. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say yeah, he has he has weirder dreams after he has uh, a peppermint flavored thing. All right. Well, that is uh we have really fleshed out Peppermint Butler. But, you know, talking oh, about our talking about our favorite characters actually I think is a good transition into our next segment that I wanted to do, which is one that we invented last time, and that is of course reader tweets or whatever. As regular listeners will know, we solicited questions for our final uh our, our season 2 wrap up. And uh, we had a few people who were kind enough to send in questions. So I'm going to go ahead and just start reading them off here from Thomas O'Donnell, uh, my cousin Tommy, as he's otherwise known, at Prius Patrol Tom on Twitter. Tommy asks, what are the implications of Pat's political theories on Ben's metaverse theory and vice versa? I'll let you take that one first. Uh, You know how I always talk like crazy leftist stuff? Yeah. What does that make you yeah. think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So does that have an implication on the metaverse? So that means that, like, we're sort of saying does Finn, real Finn, we'll say, does real Finn have intense and or at least thought out political thoughts about different, different political agendas and, and, and political theory? Is kind of the implication. Is real world Finn a Marxist? Yeah. Is he a Marxist? Is he old enough to even know what the Marxist is? Um, That's the real question for me. In fact, yeah. I was just kind of thinking, it may be that Finn wouldn't identify as a Marxist because he doesn't know what Marxism is, but you know, maybe he's got parents who uh, have left-leaning views and you know have talked about that type of thing with him or you know maybe they've vilified businessmen or you know have have let him know that if he's ever walking through the underworld he might expect to see police cars because that's where they deserve to be and so maybe Finn has just sort of picked up his his left wing 
views through osmosis before he has been old enough to actually identify as as a leftist or a Marxist or whichsoever weird fragmented ideology on the left Finn when he grows up chooses to align with so my other that's possible my other thought was like are all kids sort of anti anti corporatist by nature so I think of like a a movie like the Lego movie where there was a clear anti-business sort of theme running through it and it's like representing a father who always uh, goes to work all day and only cares about business and is rigid with his rules and blah, 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 blah. And so like the kid, the representation of the child is much more one of uh, communal, communal cooperation, things like that. So like, do, do our kids more socialist by nature is a question. I don't know because also kids are selfish assholes. That's uh, very true. Who, who I don't know, like to the extent to which a Marxist, socialist, communist kind of society would last, or would it quickly devolve into a Lord of the Flies situation every time? <laughs> yeah, so I I, I kind of wonder, like, are are children more likely, more able to accept this sort of yeah, it's sort of an anti-capitalist, anti-rich person. You know, frequently mm-hmm. the villain in a in a kid's movie or show is like the rich guy with evil plans. I mm-hmm. wonder if kids are either are are more likely to identify with that kind of struggle, the underdog versus the rich capitalist, or whether children's programming is consciously designed to teach the little sociopaths <laughs> the value of cooperation and not being super selfish. Right. Yeah. Is it that they're actually it's a chicken or an egg kind of thing? Yeah. Are they actually incredibly capitalist, incredibly selfish? And we have to do everything possible to like eke just a little bit of cooperation out of them. And if that means force feeding them <laughs> cartoons that only talk about cooperation, is if that's the only way, I that may be actually what is actually happening here in terms of children's programming. But back to our listener question. We should address it and answer it definitively. I think that I am going to have to separate the metaverse from your reading of the episodes in... I'm going to say that it is... I'm going to say Finn is not actively thinking about Marxist or far left ideologies. I don't think that he's actively thinking about that. I would be willing to accept that there are people in his life, parents, somebody who have these thoughts and and have the have those leanings and talk about them openly and therefore it is part of his consciousness and that he's exploring them but not actively. So I'm going to say I'd be willing to accept I I've already I've already waffled a lot on this. Well, that's fair. It's a it, it's a tough question. I I think as for me does does your metaverse theory impact my political theories? I don't think so. I think whether you know, for for me when I'm looking for these leftist messages, it's more about seeing what the creators have put into the show. Uh it's 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 a very like 
you know, meta-analysis, I suppose. And so whether Finn is dreaming this or not, I'm still going to get the same message. I suppose it, it would have sort of a an implication if, you know, I think it would be different if the real world were as we saw it in Adventure Time and businessmen really were bad and cop cars really did litter the land of the dead versus this is just something that a little boy who's you know, parents read him too much Marx has dreamed up. I, I think that there is a distinction there. It, it, it maybe makes some of the leaps that I tend to make a little bit easier if it's just a little boy making shit up. Uh, it, it doesn't have that big of an effect because, like I said, I, I'm more looking at, at what the creators are intending. It's more of a, uh, you know, sort of a critical analysis that I think I wind up doing than trying to figure out, you know, is Finn a Marxist? Right. I, I have to, you know, I have to admit, like, my metaverse, like, Finn in the real world dreaming stuff, I mean, essentially becomes an allegory for the creator of the show. Like, it's there is, right. there is a person out there dreaming this stuff up in reality, reality. And so if I start, sure, if I start putting too much on that, if I, if I start trying to, like, psychoanalyze Pendleton Ward here too much someone left with the brakes on me i have no idea what his life is like i have no idea if he has an older sibling sister whom he looks up to or not but he's i'm I'm willing to say he's he's dreamt up a character who i'm willing to think could so yeah i i i I was gonna say i haven't talked a lot about the parents in the metaverse and if we want to go ahead and say that they perhaps have left-leaning uh ideologies i'd be willing to i'd be willing to slot that in i think that'd be okay all right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think the only real way that we can solve this is to find some sort of Comic-Con that Pendleton Ward is attending and then kidnap him and pester him with questions until we uh, have gotten satisfactory answers. Yeah. I'm going to need to know a lot more about his life and every member of his family. And 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 if, if, if uh, Mr. Ward or really any creator of Adventure Time is listening... Uh, we'd be just as happy to host you on the podcast as we would to kidnap you at a Comic-Con. So this is an open invitation to uh, appear on our two-bit podcast whenever you want. It's an open invitation slash threat. It's going to happen one way or the other, guys. Right. You can do. Yeah, we're either coming to get you or you're coming to yeah, us. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. Uh, how about we, before we, uh, before we incriminate ourselves any further... Uh, why don't we move to question number two from the listeners? Yeah, so we have another question from a regular listener and correspondent, Laura, at Checks926 on Twitter. Laura wants to know, so far, who is your favorite secondary character? This was the Ooh. segue that I attempted to to make, but I wanted to do Tommy's question first. So uh, yeah. let's set Pet Butt aside for a minute and uh, talk about who our favorite secondary characters are. I kind of want to define secondary character before we go forward, though, because secondary character, I think, could mean anyone who isn't Finn or Jake. But I would say that characters like Marceline, Princess Bubblegum, Ice King, I would call those primary characters. You know, I think that secondary characters are ones who show up in the occasional episode uh, who you recognize and, you know, you may 
be starting to understand what their personality is, but I think that there are certain characters beyond Finn and Jake who are disqualified from being secondary characters. What do you think? I think that's fine. I think we can follow a sitcom credits format that anyone who would be in the opening credits, either as a starring or featuring kind of credit, doesn't count. Right. Anybody who has their name under their smiling face looking at the camera. Yeah, exactly. Anyone who does not fit that bill could be considered a secondary character. And I agree with you. Everyone you listed would be uh, featured characters, featured actors uh, on this sitcom. So, uh, yeah, I'm willing to. I I like that. Yeah. I don't think that I, I don't think it's any surprise that my favorite character is Marceline. I think I've been uh-huh. pretty clear about that, but I, I don't really consider her a secondary character. Um, I think we're in agreement that, that Marceline is, is a primary character. So uh, what do you think? Who's your, who's your favorite secondary character leaving out the primary, the secondary primary characters, if we can call uh, them Yeah, that. so not the secondary primaries, but the tertiary primary characters is where we're going. Did right. we list uh I didn't I didn't catch. Did you say is Lumpy Space Princess a secondary character or a, or a featured primary character? I think that that's a debatable point. My instinct would be to call her a secondary character. Okay. I think that there are episodes that revolve around her, but she is more of a an accessory in the world, I think than one of the characters who helps us learn about it and create it. Okay. So I think if you want to say Lumpy Space Princess, I will allow it. Well, I don't. I just wanted to know. Oh, okay, I think that fine. she was representative of... <laughs> uh, I just wanted to know. She was representative of a, like a, a kind of tier of character uh, that I started thinking about. Yeah, I think she's borderline, but I'd put her in secondary. Yeah. So I really like... It's really hard to get past Peppermint Butler. Um... I've I've thought about him just so much. Uh, the the uh, get past. Can we? Can you tell me yours? Because I'm I'm having a hard time. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm actually sitting over here. I asked you first because I I'm having a hard time too. I think uh, Choose Goose is is one of my favorites. Uh huh. Um, uh huh. His ridiculous rhymes and his his voice, which is a. Uh, a tribute to a comedian whose name I've already forgotten that some kind listener turned us on uh-huh. to. Uh, Choose Goose is right up there. Um, I like Gunter a lot, even though he doesn't really do much. Gunter, every once in a while, will show some personality, and he certainly is a valuable uh, sort of sounding board for Ice King. And he also kind of doesn't take Ice King's nonsense very well. Ice King can say whatever crazy thing that he wants to Gunter, and Gunter will just sort of, you know, quack back at him, and and that's that. So, uh, yeah, evidently it's the birds that I go for. Choose Goose, Gunter. All right. Oh, uh, Whisper Dan. (laughs) Whisper Dan's only in one episode, but almost solely because of his name, Whisper Dan is one of my very favorite characters. (laughs) Uh, So I think I'm going to go with... I think that um, oh man, why why is this so hard? It's flying out of my head. Uh, tiny elephant grandma, what's her name? Tree trunks. That's a great answer. Tree trunks. Tree trunks makes me uncomfortable <laughs> to watch. <laughs> uh, and for that reason, I have to give give her some respect for that. I actively 
I don't like awkward humor. I will say that right now. I don't like movies like where where you're supposed to just feel awkward and like that's the funny part of the show. So like curb your enthusiasm. I can't watch more than three seconds of before I have to like leave the room because I'm like living the I'm empathizing with the awkwardness too much and it's like not funny for me. It's it's oh, stressful. I am right there with you on curb your enthusiasm. For me, it's an issue of of my anxiety. Like his the main character, Larry David's character's anxiety, coupled with the fact that he manifests his anxiety by being an asshole. Uh yeah, yeah. I, I'm just like you. I, I get I can watch maybe a couple of minutes and then I, I can't deal with him anymore. I know a lot of people who love that show, but uh-uh. Yeah. It, 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 it just, I, I do sometimes enjoy awkward humor. Like if you, awkward slash absurdist, you know, uh, Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis, I think is really good. And that's based sort of on awkwardness because he's this deliberately weird and bad interviewer. Uh-huh. But things like Curb, yeah, I can't deal with those. Yeah, I mean, it goes as far as like, I can't watch like the movie Meet the Parents with Ben Stiller, which is like a very soft mm. version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's like that you just like live in the awkward situation kind of humor, but it's like it's there's the stakes are so low from in those kind of movies that like it shouldn't make me feel but weird, but it does and I don't like it. So it's that feeling that that's the feeling that whenever there is a tree trunks episode, that's the feeling I get like, oh God, this is gonna be awkward and weird and but the fact that a 10-minute cartoon can elicit that response from me, I have to give props to. So I'm going to say that she is my favorite for, uh, out of out of sheer respect and fear, sort of. Uh, I don't want her to show up too many times in my life. So I'm going, to, I'm going to try to appease her and say she's my favorite. Yeah, that's a great answer. Tree Trunks is fantastic. Uh, so thank you, Laura, for your question. Uh, I hope that we answered it to your satisfaction. And we've got one more. Uh, this was actually a, an older tweet that was sent to us. Uh, it's it's a it's a statement, but I'm going to turn it around and make it a question for us. Oh, okay. This is from Chris Moore at Quismo C W I S S M O on Twitter, and uh, Chris tells us that PB makes sense as a babysitter type in the whole dreamscape theory in his mind. Yeah. What do you think about that? So I, uh, when this came through and you showed it to me the, uh, back when it came through on, on the old tweet wire, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Like as a, a babysitter, uh, crush kind of character, I I think I immediately, I may have even added it to on, on the Facebook page. Uh, I think I may have added it already as, as Canon in the, in the metaverse, um, I think it makes a ton of sense. It's a classic trope. It's a classic sort of like uh, adolescent child thing to have a crush on an older babysitter. And the only thing that kept rubbing me a little bit weird about it is that there seemed to be an affection that PB does have for Finn that I don't think would necessarily be there in that standard like oh, I have a crush on my babysitter. Usually that's a one-way kind of crush from younger to the, to the, the younger kid to the babysitter. But there was, like, we've talked about it. Like, PB definitely does, like, manipulate Flynn in that, uh, Finn in that way. 
And there seems to be an affection that she has back towards him that goes beyond sort of thinking he's like cute in an in a like a younger adorable kind of way like she seems to actually have a some kind of weird some kind of romantic feeling for him that i don't think a regular babysitter would have yes and i think that that certainly that possibility anyway was certainly raised and it was sort of a cliffhanger at the end of this season when all of a sudden pb was finn's age and it was like oh well now could there actually be a real relationship between the two of them and right yeah i i agree with you you know little boys can get crushes on their babysitters but those tend to be one-way streets plenty of babysitters obviously love the kids that they sit <laughs> right babysit that's a weird verb um verbing verbing words weird language uh-huh i do think that you know a babysitter can think oh yeah i i just love that kid so much uh-huh. but it's not necessarily uh if we were just the same age, everything would work out. But I will say, this is Finn's dream world. So this isn't actually whatever babysitter she represents. PB isn't her. And so Finn, in his dream, could certainly dream up a version of his babysitter who, who is having budding romantic relationships about Finn. If you kind of catch what I'm sure, right? So like, yeah, yeah. As is, long as this it's is Finn's dream, we this might is as Finn's well. this is Finn's fantasy version of his babysitter, and therefore, where they're in the real world, there is it is a one way crush relationship. The babysitter may have affection for Finn in a way that, like you said, any person who cares for a kid has uh, has an affection and like wants to care for them. But in Finn's mind, in this dream. There's got to be, like, for it to be a fantasy, there's got to be that glimmer of hope for him. So he's put that into this character. He's put that into PB. So I'm willing, to, that's why I think that I, I put it in, I, I, I was fine with it. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a nice, a nice addition to the metaverse. And I think we just have to recognize that uh, when PB becomes younger, as she does at the end of season two, that is Finn living a fantasy in his own mind. So... It's Finn's representation of this babysitter that has become younger. It's his fantasized version of this babysitter that has become younger and is in love with him, perhaps. And not that he uh, lives with some babysitter who is having an inappropriate relationship with a boy. I think that's where we have to make sure we delineate that as what we're saying. Uh, and Yes. Not... I, I, I think that we've got yeah. sort of a, an, 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 an Oedipal complex going yeah. on with Finn, but I, I am not ready to accuse... Real world princess bubblegum, let alone ooh world princess bubblegum of, uh, you know, diddling little boys or anything. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, thank you for the input. I loved it. I think it's a great addition. And I and welcome, I would say, any, uh, th- any fan thoughts, uh, listener thoughts on the metaverse. If it, if it's interesting to you to kind of like think through what this could mean. It's a fun way for me to engage with the show, frankly. Uh, it was a fun way for me to start to like really invest in the show, uh, was to kind of like build this extra world, and, and that's great. It's, it's awesome that the show did that for me, and I, I will continue to do so. Yeah. I, I appreciate the listeners. I appreciate all the listeners who were thoughtful enough to send in a question. Uh, we, we thank you guys for listening. We think it's awesome that you do. We hope you continue to enjoy our show. So thanks a bunch. Yeah, absolutely. And and I really can't emphasize enough how 
kind of revelatory it was for me when when that tweet from Chris came through. So thanks, Chris. Thank you to everybody who sent in questions. And I think, Ben, we've reached the time in our wrap-up special where we get to grill each other. I've got three questions for you, and you may have three or more or fewer for me. You want to answer or ask first? Mm, Answer. All right. So we saw at the end of season two, Princess Bubblegum become the same age as Finn. What's going to happen with that relationship? Um, Give me a prediction. I think it's going to become romantic for a time. I don't think it will end well. I don't think it will end like ideally for Finn in that way because i think i think like running off into the sunset with princess bubblegum is sort of like ideal ending for finn um i don't think it'll end that way but i think it will be romantic for a time and then i think something will screw it up i can't i can't predict what that would be but i think it will i think it will be uh he will have his cake and eat it too and at some point Either he will self-destruct that because of something, or it will be externally destructed. That's my answer. So we've got a uh, we, we've got an end date on the relationship, but but you think that it it it's going to be okay for at least a little bit? Yeah, and and when I say the the romantic relationship will end, I don't think it will end the the friendship. It may make it weirder for a while, but I think it will. Uh, I think it will end in a way that allows Princess Bubblegum and Finn to still interact without animosity or anything like that. I think it will become, I think it, I I think we'll return to status quo eventually. Very good. You're on record. We'll uh, watch season three and beyond and see Mm -hmm. whether that pans out. So what do you Mm -hmm. got for me, bud? So uh, I'm They're They're sort of self-serving because I don't know what's going to happen next either. And you do. Uh, so I don't want you to give me any spoilers, but I was going to ask, are you nervous or excited for how season three begins in terms of its ability to like suck me in? Like, is it going to, do you think it's going to like just continue to build on the, on the momentum that the end of season two created? Or are you worried that it's going to be like a, like one of those sequels that like, really drops off from the quality of the first or something like that. I I actually have gone ahead and watched a few of the early episodes of season three. And I have to be honest that it kind of starts out slowly. Okay. It doesn't, you know, those, those stakes that we raised at the end of season two don't really, uh, we don't really see them right away in season three. They do get addressed, but I'm. I guess I'm a little nervous just because it it kind of starts out slowly and and I think what happens with the show is that you know we're always going to have these sort of goofy one-off episodes which can be enjoyable but don't give us those you know those feels that we talked about that uh, the end of season two gave us. I think though that the meaningful character rich episodes occur more frequently and multi-episode arcs occur more frequently as we get later into the show so i've I've watched the first few episodes of of season three and there's not a ton of that but i can tell you that as we go along uh that sort of stuff only gets more frequent if that makes sense 
Yeah, totally. It's going to be a mixtape. You're saying we've we start where like we hit a big note, and now it's gonna it's got to pull it back a little bit so that it can build again. Uh, so yeah, I think I no matter what happened after the end of season two, it was going to be a little bit of a letdown. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I am a little nervous about how the first couple episodes of season three are going to go over next week. Okay, that's fair. All right, all right. Uh, hit me with another. Let's see. Um, well, okay. I think this is kind of related. What do you most hope for or want to see in season three and beyond? And that can be plot points. It can be directions that the show goes. Just, I guess, if everything goes exactly how you want it, what are you hoping to, to see in Adventure, Adventure Time season three and beyond? Um, I would like to see uh, in season three, it's hard for me to go beyond, but at least in season three, I would like to get a sense I would like to get a more in-depth sense of some of the other kingdoms of Ooh. I think we've like had like breeze throughs of some of those kingdoms like the like the Duchy of Nuts or like different kind of villages like but like we've I have a real deep sense of what the Candy Kingdom is like. But I mm-hmm. would love I would love to like hunker down in the hot dog kingdom for a while or a few other places like that. I would love for Ooh to become a little more fleshed out in those world in this, in that sense. So that, that would be something I'd like to see. Um, yeah, we've got a, a broad world with a lot of characters and places, but most of those are fairly tangential. And so I, I, yeah, I can see that you want to see, you know, what's, what's, what's life like day to day in the hot dog kingdom. Right, exactly. That's what I want to see. I want to, I want I want Finn and Jake to spend some spend more time with another princess essentially. I mean, I know that we're going to have we're like the arc is firmly centered around Princess Bubblegum right now. So I get that. But if I have my way, I would love for somehow to be able to just like get more of a sense of like the ins and outs of some of these other world of, of these other kingdoms. Cause I think they're funny. I think they're really funny and really, I'm sure that the writers have thought about that of like what they're like. And I want to, I want to experience that. I want to like get deep with it. Yeah. Great answer. Okay. So my next question for you was, do you regularly watch adventure time with other people? Like, I know that you don't have like parties to watch it, but like, is it a solo experience for you, or do you find it more enjoyable to watch with other people? It is a solo experience. Um, Jackie's around a lot, and so she gets forced to watch it, and she enjoys it. So in in that sense, I'm not watching it totally alone usually, uh, but it's definitely not like, hey, I'm going to turn on Adventure Time. Come on in here and sit down and watch it with me. It's just I turn it on and if she's in the room, then then she's watching Adventure Time with me. So, you know, I have tried to show Adventure Time to other people before, and it has not gone real well. Hmm. I, I do think that it's a show that you need to take a little bit of time to learn to appreciate. Um, so I'm not sure that I'd have an Adventure Time viewing party with folks who weren't already sold on the show. Okay. Uh, but definitely, you know... It, if I'm watching it with anybody, it's with Jackie, but mostly I'm watching it by myself. And that goes back to the sort of uh, way that I use it as an escape from my everyday life. 
you know, if this is Finn's dream world, it's kind of my fourth dimension that I can just sort of escape away into. And I'm probably not real social or enjoyable to be around as I'm deliberately trying to forget that I live on Earth and pretending that I live in Ooh. So it's it's a solo experience, I think, would be the best way to characterize it. Okay, fair enough. What's up? What else you got for me? I've got a third and final question for you, mm-hmm. and this is another prediction. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we going with Ice King? What's his deal? Huh. Where are we going with Ice King? Currently, I'm going to I'm gonna have to kind of talk this out, so bear with me, because uh, I hadn't thought about it. Currently, Ice King is... Don't you dare talk on our podcast. It's a... Uh, you know what? That's probably right. Let me... Just sit here in silence for a second while I think. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> that was awkward. I couldn't compelling sta- audio. It was awkward, and I couldn't stand it. I had I would have had to leave the room. Um, the Ice King is has been demoted in terms of his stature as like no, villain numero uno. By the by, the uh, emergence of the lich. So, where does he go from here? Hmm. I can see him just becoming comedic annoyance character, like like he's no longer he's no longer anyone who we need to worry about, like ever really ruining a plan or really being a threat to the main characters but can always play spoiler in a way uh could be hmm <laughs> i don't think he'll become friends i don't think they'll yeah become... i think i hear what you're saying yeah. you know there were early episodes where it was ice king evil wizard that finn and jake have to go battle right um but that hasn't happened in quite a while the, yeah. the best that he's been able to do in terms of causing finn and jake trouble is Literally just that, just causing them a little bit of trouble, but not being any sort of villain that they need to go on a quest to defeat. Right. And the question is, does he stay there or does he go even further? Does he become so much not a foe that he becomes a friend? And that's where I don't Good think... question. He, and that's where I... I don't think so. I think he's always going to be funnier as a low-level foe that they sort of always have to deal with in a weird way. Hmm. So that's where I'm going to stay. I'm going to, I will see him slipping further into like, uh, I think he'll play a role, a regular role in their lives, but will no longer be a threat, but will no, will also not be a friend. It will be not even like a frenemy kind of scenario. I think it'll just be like, yeah, we don't like that guy. And he's super annoying, but he shows up in opportune times where it's funny to the narrative or funny as a joke. But uh, that's where I see it coming. I don't know. Yeah, so he's like the annoying dude who's always hanging around. Yeah, yeah. He's the annoying dude who's always hanging around. No one likes, but that's it. Yeah. And and I think, and that's not to diminish that. That's not, I don't want to, and I'd also want, like, I think he'll still be funny. And I think he'll still be like a really, a, an asset to the show. It's not to say he will become annoying to us the audience um i just think that that will be his like stature in the world 
of Ooh. Gotcha. So I'm going to cheat and ask a follow-up question. Put simply, what's Ice King's deal? Like, what do you think his motivations are? Who is he as a character? I mean, he wants... He, he is someone who is seeking companionship in some form, but he just has a deluded and twisted sense of, like, what that means. And so I think he will continue along that way. Like, his deal is, like, he is seeking out a companion, and... He will con- that will be his drive, continuing going forward, looking for a companion in friendship or love or whatever, and that will be his driving force. And he will be blinded to he will con- he will remain blind to the emotions and needs of others in that that he is like engaging with that uh, pursuit. Uh, he will be oblivious to the needs of people other than himself. Um, but I think he's going to keep seeking out love and I think he's going to keep seeking out friendship either from Finn and Jake or from someone else. And that will be what drives him forever. So I'm hearing you use two words in particular, blinded and oblivious. Yeah. Do you think that he does the bad things that he does just because he doesn't understand how they impact other people? Or do you think that Ice King's actually evil and he's out to get folks? Um... He is not out to get them um, at first. Uh, man, you keep asking hard questions. He, it is not his intent. His intent is not to harm, but in addition to being oblivious, he also is vindictive. And I think, so like in a childlike way, and so I think, yes, he mm-hmm. lashes out. He will lash out and hurt people when he doesn't get his way. Um, but he does not set out to cause harm initially. I gotcha. Um, yeah. I, I, I tend to be on the same page. I think we, I think we looked a cosmic owl PhD who officially diagnosed him as a sociopath. Yes. Yeah. It's exactly it. Well, I will say that ice King remains a fairly central character going forward. So we will definitely see how your prediction pans out. Okay. Um, I was most I had I had two major questions for you that I've asked, but I I did want to ask one other question that kind of came up as we were talking, and and that is um, does hmm I don't want it to be a spoiler how how central does Marceline remain in the remain in season three? She is a constant. Okay. She's not Finn. She's not Jake. Um, I would say we wind up with, you know, she's one of those like top level secondary characters. Okay. Certainly uh, throughout the series, I would say. She's, she's there a lot. She's an important character. And I don't think I'm spoiling anything to kind of just say that you can expect to see plenty of Marceline going forward. Okay. Uh, the reason I asked is because I... I like her as a character, um, but she she jumped in and out of season two more than I thought. Uh, she was gone from season two more than I thought she would be. So I guess I was like, oh, like, uh, given how much you enjoy her, I didn't know if that meant that she's just always going to kind of be in and out or if it was like a, a gradual build of like, it sounds like it's going to build to a more constant presence. You know, I haven't done a 
a statistical analysis, but if I had to guess, I would say she will be in later seasons more than she was in season two. Okay. Um, right off the bat in season two, we had uh, it came from the Nidosphere, where we had that super mm-hmm. emotional character building experience with Marceline. But you're right; she kind of just popped in and out, and uh, yeah, was more I mean, of a plot driver than anything else. But yeah, I mean, um, she bookended season season two. So yeah, I, I I will say that she is a legit character who we we will continue to see plenty of. Okay. All right. That's fine. That's cool. All right. Well, I'm done. Those are my questions. Yeah, that's about all I've got for you as well. So I think um, unless you have any closing thoughts on season two, I think it's time for us to get right into season three. I think so, too. Uh, We will be back. We'll start recording uh, more regularly now that our summer hiatus is up. So thank you for everyone who... Uh, waited out the summer with us. We will be, I am excited for season three. I will be interested to see how we get going and I'm sure we will have plenty to talk about and looking forward to the next time I am chatting with you, Pat. Yep. And I, the only thing I would say to wrap up season two is that I, I know I've said it before, but even if no one listens to this podcast, Ben, I really enjoy doing it with you. So um, I'm looking forward to continuing to do so and looking forward to season three and beyond. I think we've got a lot of uh, adventure time to cover, which is uh, which makes me happy because I really enjoy doing this. So for those of you who are out there listening and have strong opinions on some of the silly things we've said, head over to the Treehouse Treasure Room on Facebook. Ben has put in some real work to lay out his dream metaverse theory, and we welcome contributions, thoughts, arguments regarding that. Uh, We've also got a Facebook page, which is called Podventure Time. We are at Podventure Time on Twitter. Feel free to get in our DMs or just add us. We, uh, We like to hear from you all. Um, let's see. Well, this is where, of course, I have to say thank you to Will Yates. He's my good friend. He's an electronic musician extraordinaire. He gave us our intro and outro music. That song is called Date Night. It's from his EP, I Know the Feeling. If you go to willyates.bandcamp.com, you can pay what you want for that EP and another one that he put out, and I would highly recommend it. Uh, also highly recommend throwing him a few bucks, because Will works as some kind of political job that I don't quite understand, and I want Will to be a full-time musician so if we have a a, a, a a potential benefactor out there for will head on over to Bandcamp and pay him for his doggone music thank you will and i think the only thing left to say is this is where we beg folks to head over to apple podcasts if you can uh if you haven't subscribed you can subscribe on all kinds of different apps but apple Podcasts is the place where you can rate and review our podcast which will increase our visibility and hopefully increase our listenership so that we get a more vibrant discussion about all of these silly things that that we talk about. Yep. Rate and review us, guys. We appreciate it. Tell your friends. Uh, We appreciate all the listening you are doing yourselves. And if you can get one other person to listen, we would love that too. And uh, But even if not, we still love you. Oh, of course we love you. And I think that's a good note to close on. I don't have a quote for this week because we didn't watch any episodes. So let's just leave it at this has been Podventure Time. I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And man, we love you. Mwah.